from Tokyo, Japan, and Sterling in the United Kingdom. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. Hi, Skip. It's great to be sitting down with you again. Good to be talking with you too, Des. Christmas and New Year is upon us. Do you have any plans? Not so many plans. My, I think I'm just going to stay around the house, work on the Down to Business English website, and maybe get a head start on filing my taxes for next year. Oh, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. How about you? Um, I'm heading back to Scotland for a holiday. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing my family. Although I read that it's suddenly become very cold in Northern Europe, with temperatures falling to minus nine in parts of Scotland. <laughs> well, minus nine. To a Canadian like me, that doesn't sound too cold. I guess not. I think the lowest temperature ever recorded in Canada was a finger-numbing minus 61.2 degrees Celsius. That was in a small village in northern Canada by the name of Snag in the Yukon Territory. Oh, man, that is cold. That was way back in 1947. I cannot even imagine what that must be like. Well, where I hail from in Saskatchewan, I often experienced minus 30 degrees in the dead of winter, sometimes maybe minus 40 degrees. Well, I can see how you developed a taste for whiskey. <laughs> Something to warm you up on a cold winter's night. That could be. On a different tack, I hear that China is relaxing some of the COVID restrictions on residents. Is that true? Yes, it is. The weekly COVID tests have been removed. And when I return to China in the new year, I will only have to be tested once before the flight. Well, that is certainly different from when you first came to China. Yeah, I had to test negative on two tests in October. It is an improvement. And the required quarantine when you arrive in the country has been reduced from 10 days to just 8 days. So that's a bit better as well, I guess. Yes, it's, it does sound a bit easier. Stay safe on your travels, Des. I will. And I'm hoping to get a King Charles 50p coin while I'm in the UK. Oh, are they out already? They are. Apparently, the first coin with King Charles III's head on it was the 50p bit that went into circulation on December 8th. All of UK's money will need to be replaced, I guess. Over time, yes. I think banks will slowly pull the older dominations of coins and bills out of circulation and then slowly introduce new designs. I suppose so. Now, Des, I assume that with you getting on an airplane very soon and heading back to Scotland, Today is going to be your final episode of D2B for 2022. Is that right? I'm afraid it will be, yes. Well then, what topic do you have in store for us today? Well, speaking of money and banks, there was an announcement from the UK government earlier this month, which is set to be the biggest reform of banks and investment firms in the UK in the last 30 years. Banking and investment reform. Sounds like a great topic. It is. So let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with the Edinburgh reforms. What are they? And what changes will they bring to the UK's financial industry?
What prompted the UK government to introduce this reform policy? Uh, two things. Post-Brexit Britain and a knock to Britain's national pride. Elaborate on that a bit. What do you, what do you mean? In November, Bloomberg reported that the Paris Stock Exchange, known as the PAX, had overtaken London's stock exchange as the biggest market in Europe by capitalization. No. I know how you Brits hate to lose, especially to the French. As I said, Britain's pride plays a role in this story. So how did this happen? Um, well, some of the falling valuation of the LSE, the London Stock Exchange, is connected to the weak pound. But another factor is the large number of luxury brands that are listed on the Paris Exchange. Luxury brands listed on the Paris Exchange. And, and how exactly did that play a role? All of these luxury brands like LVHM and L'Oreal are expecting pent-up demand from consumers in China to hit the market again as soon as COVID restrictions are lifted. Right. Well, as you can imagine, this has led to a considerable uptick in their share prices over the last few months. All part of our interconnected world. You also mentioned Brexit. That's correct. Now that Britain is no longer in the EU, financial firms based in the UK no longer fall under EU policies. And what impact does that have? One impact is that UK financial firms now have to apply for a license to do business in the EU. And that has in turn led to many finance service companies leaving the UK. Ah, a brain drain. Something like that. 400 financial service companies and over 7,500 financial jobs have left the UK for the EU since Brexit came into effect. Wow, that's incredible. It is. Now let me get into the nuts and bolts of the banking reforms. By all means. Following the financial crisis back in 2008, measures were put into place to limit the amount of financial risk institutions could take on. Specifically, regulations were put into place to separate retail banking and investment banking. Could you give me an example of this separation? Sure. Big international banks were not allowed to use customer deposits to invest in any other forms of trading. So a commercial bank couldn't, for example, use their customer deposits for any other forms of investment. That's right. Furthermore, banks were no longer allowed to parcel up investments together into tradable units in a process called securitization. That is precisely what got us into so much trouble in 2008. Banks bundling mortgages together and then trading them on. That's correct. And the Edinburgh reforms will make both of those practices possible again. You're kidding. Sadly, I'm not kidding. Critics of the reforms see a future scenario where what happened in 2008 could very well happen all over again. Well, of course it could. What else would you expect? But there's more. Um, other reforms included are the ability for insurance firms to invest in infrastructure projects that are illiquid and therefore difficult to sell later. That would include projects like social housing and wind farms. I guess investments like that uh, would bring in a steady, reliable income. 
But the problem comes if the insurance company ever needs to raise capital quickly for some reason and pull their money out, it's very difficult to do that. Correct. And that is why they were off limits till now. There is even mention of cryptocurrencies and the possibility of establishing the UK as a centre for their exchange. Cryptocurrencies? Even after this whole recent FTX scandal? That's right. Even after that scandal. But perhaps the measures that will anger the public most is the removal of the ceiling on bankers' bonuses. Oh, yes. I can easily see how people would be annoyed with bankers getting larger bonuses. With rising expenses and inflation, a lot of people have a lot less money than before. The final recommendation the Edinburgh reforms tackle is the hiring and compensation package of executives. Essentially, the reforms seek to make it easier to hire executives and cut down on the regulations that financial institutions must follow when compensating them. I would imagine that unlimited bonuses should help there too. Yeah, it probably won't do any harm, will it? So, Des, the big question I have for you is, do you think these reforms will help the UK economy? Uh, oh, it's hard to say at this point. Um, the critics have a good point, but then so do the supporters of the reforms. I guess if it brings business into the UK and risks are well managed, it could be a positive. Just how big is the UK financial sector? Oh, it's no doubt a big earner. To put it into perspective, in 2021, even after Brexit, the financial services sector still contributed £173.6 billion to the UK economy, or 8.3% of total economic output. Yeah, that is significant. I have one more small question. Okay, what's that? Why are they called the Edinburgh Reforms? Um, that's an easy one. Jeremy Hunt, the UK's Chancellor of the Exchequer, made the announcement in Edinburgh, Scotland. Well, that makes perfect sense then. And one last note. Since making the announcement on the 9th of December, the pound strengthened just a little. So the London Stock Exchange is once again the largest stock market in Europe. <laughs> well, there you go. You can once again hold your head up high and be a proud Brit. It takes a little bit out of the sting of England exiting the World Cup at the hands of France. Oh, I wasn't going to bring that up. I appreciate that you didn't. But now, I think it is time for you and I to get D2V down to vocabulary. Do you find down-to-business English useful in your English studies? Would you like to support the show? Consider becoming a D2B member today. Down-to-business English memberships come with three great benefits. First, D2B members receive bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only episodes. Second, within moments of a new episode being released, an audio script is automatically emailed to you. There is no need for D2B members to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website 
logging into their account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. And third, D2B members have 100% access to the entire library of audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, right up to the most recently released episode. Interested in becoming a member? Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. Let me get D2B started with the expression on a different tack, which means to change the subject. This expression originally comes from the old sailing ships, doesn't it, Des? <laughs> yeah, it does. Sailing ships use ropes to set the sails at different angles against the wind. These ropes are called tacks. If you want to change the direction of the ship, you have to use a different tack. Wow, that is a good mental picture to help remember this expression. In the opening of today's episode, Skip changed our small talk conversation from the subject of the weather to the subject of COVID restrictions in China using exactly this expression. I said, on a different tact, I hear that China is relaxing some of the COVID restrictions. Staying on the same tack, how would you use this expression in a business situation, Skip? Oh, I would definitely use it to transition to a new topic in any presentation I give. For example, if I have been talking about this quarter's final sales numbers in an internal meeting, and then I wanted to transition to the subject of the company's year-end party, I might say something like, on a different tack, who wants to be Santa Claus at the company party this year? Do you know what? That's a role I've played a few times in my life. Oh, really? You would make a good Santa. Me, not so much. You know what? It's fun. I'm sure it is. You should give it a try too sometime. The next item on the D2V list is the idiom, the nuts and bolts of something. Literal nuts and literal bolts are what hold a physical product or structure together. So, when you use this idiom, you are referring to the basic information or details of something. This is one of my favorite idioms. And you used it in the report. After giving some background information about the Paris Stock Exchange, Des transitioned into the main topic of the Edinburgh reforms by saying, let me get into the nuts and bolts of the reforms. In other words, I wanted to start talking about the basic information related to the reforms. Today in my office, the very first thing that happened this morning was one of our salespeople gave me a few invoices he wanted to send to his customers. He asked me to go through the nuts and bolts of the invoices and check every detail to make sure there were no mistakes. And did you find any? A couple of minor ones, but nothing serious. Although it would have been a little embarrassing to send them out with those small mistakes. It's a good thing you checked then. What's our next D2V item? Next, I have the two-part adjective pent up, which means to be confined or held back in some way. Someone might appear calm and collected on the outside, but inside they are full of anger. That would be pent up anger. You're right, it's often used in reference to some type of emotion like anger or desire. 
In my report, I talked about pent-up consumer demand. A very common business expression. It is. It refers to a situation where customers have been unable to do or buy something. So when they're able to, they make a lot of purchases all at once. The example you used was the pent-up demand for luxury goods in China now that COVID restrictions are being lifted. In other words, because of COVID, consumers haven't been able to shop very much. But now that they can, they are going to buy a lot. People in this country do seem to like European luxury goods. So yes, I can imagine there is a lot of pent-up demand. Next up, we have another business adjective, illiquid. An illiquid asset is an asset which cannot be easily converted into cash. In the story, Des reported on the financial reform that will allow insurance firms to invest in illiquid assets such as housing and wind turbines. In other words, housing and wind turbines are difficult to change into cash. Can you give us uh, other examples of illiquid assets? Sure. Thinly traded stocks are often described as illiquid. Although you can theoretically sell them, there may not be a buyer on the other side of the transaction. A further issue is trying to sell a larger amount of illiquid stocks would affect the price adversely. Thinly traded stock, what, what is that? An example from your country, in fact, would be the small exploration stocks that are prospecting for gold or some other mineral. Because the trading volume of the shares is so small, the shares don't change hands very often. Okay, now I see what you mean. Our final word for today is the noun ceiling. Now, I am very sure that all of our listeners know that a ceiling is the top side in a room. Not the wall and not the floor. Not a wall and not the floor. The opposite of the floor, actually. And I'm sure our listeners know this word pretty well. But they might not know that it can also be used idiomatically to refer to the maximum limit of something. A limit or barrier that cannot be passed. Yeah, they might not be used to that usage. In the story, Des mentioned that the ceiling set on bankers' bonus payments will be removed by the Edinburgh reforms. In other words, the current bonus limit is going away. A glass ceiling is commonly used to describe a situation where there's an invisible limit. Female executives often say there's a glass ceiling at the firm where they work, meaning they can only be promoted to a certain position in the organization, but just cannot get beyond that. The problem with glass ceilings is that usually they are illegal. Or at the very least, they fall into that sort of grey area. Would you like to support Down to Business English? Help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills. Be sure to subscribe to Down to Business English on Apple Podcasts or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, why don't you leave a rating and a review? Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.
thanks for that report on the Edinburgh Reforms desk. It sounds like new and exciting territory ahead for the UK financial industry. It does. I just hope that these reforms don't lead us down a path to yet another global financial meltdown. History does have a habit of repeating itself. Hmm, true that. Well, on a different tack, I would just like to take a moment and say thank you, Mr. Des Morgan, for all of your effort on Down to Business English this year. It is really great that you've been able to be more active behind the microphone. My pleasure, Skip. There have been big changes in my life this year, this new job in Changsha being one of them. But I'm really glad that I've been able to do more work on the show and record more regularly. And I hope your schedule lets you stay just as active or more active on D2B in 2023. No worries there. You know what? I've got a lot of pent-up podcasting energy inside me. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that. So, Des, you have yourself a safe trip back to Scotland and enjoy your time with the family. I will. You have yourself a happy Christmas. And is this the ceiling for D2B episodes this year? No, I think Samantha and I will be able to squeak one, maybe two more shows out before December 31st. Good to hear that. Good for all our listeners. When do you think you will be back on the air with us? If everything goes smoothly and I get through my return quarantine with no issues, I would say I'll be back recording early in February sometime. I look forward to that. And so do I. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye for now. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.